Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, Holiday. It's time to do, 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 do this podcast, y'all. It's your girl, Nunu Paris. And I came out the Toon Toon with this good poo-poo, Raffi. And this is Wait, Wait Don't, Don't do, do It. it. The show where we tell you to... Wait! Please welcome our guest, Amr Agundakli. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a big editing part with yeah. you. <laughs> All right. How are you doing, girl? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. We are stunning. We are so excited to have you here. You're one of the first people I thought about when we started introducing interviews to the podcast. Oh my god, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, yeah, when Nunu told me about your story, it was just phenomenal. It inspired me because um, I, like I was telling you, I met someone in New York, and he was an Egyptian immigrant around the time where you came over, and just going from, he said, leaving high school, and where, you know, all the emotional angst that you go through high school. And going through that, through Egyptian culture and then coming to America and having to feel a different social anxiety, it's just, and it, like I, I was never exposed to that, or that story, so it was just so inspiring. So that's kind of what we're bringing you in here today to talk about. Yes, yes. sir. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Amr. So the goal really is to shine a light on the unique experience international queer people go through, especially when leaving their culture behind or have to feel free to express it um, no matter where they go. So this is exciting for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you ready to get started? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, take us, like, take us back, because I heard, honey, you had some trauma in your life. <laughs> you got this. So little birdie told me. Trauma. <laughs> our girls, <laughs> our interns, <laughs> yeah. let us know that you have you've gone through some stuff. Um, yeah. You had trouble swimming. For yeah. a little bit. <laughs> uh, but where where did it all start first? Um, I was born in Alexandria, Egypt. Okay. In 1993. Okay. It's a Mediterranean uh, city uh, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, Quick, birthday. When's your birthday? Uh, 1st of August, 1993. Jeez. So that's a Leo. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are two Leos on the podcast. Yeah. Send <laughs> my go. Send help. my co-host. Yes. Send help, y'all. Okay, okay. So what was the culture like growing up? It's 1993, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> As a child, how did you process that? Like, how did um, you process culture in? So, it's actually interesting because I come from uh, what I consider a new situation in Egypt, where I grew up in a conservative family that was middle class. They were, weren't very well off, but they, we had enough money to be sheltered. Okay. So, I was a sheltered child my entire life. I okay. didn't have friends growing up. Uh, every, <laughs> every aspect of my life... Um, was controlled in a way, mm-hmm. even at school. So I only go to school, I come back home. Uh, we lived in a big house, so all of the people I uh, encountered and hanged out with were my cousins and my brother, and they were all family uh, members. So, but no people in the outside world. Okay. Um, you come from a big family? Yes. Siblings? Yeah. 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 I, have, okay. I mean, no, I, uh, I have one brother, okay. but then my mom her sister and her brother live in the same house and each person has their own family you know so it's quite extended and Egypt is a family oriented culture so everything's about the family loyalty to the family you know staying close to your family there's always like um expectations of your obligations towards your family and then people who try to walk away from their families or kind of don't feel welcome their families they're always like seen in a negative light yeah um, that's similar I mean I can relate to that in Salvadoran culture very loyal I mean I he sees this all the time I'm very loyal to the place yeah and I think that was stemmed through family yeah um, how did you feel like do you hold that loyalty to your family um no not really <laughs> I think, uh, so my brother is way more family-oriented than me, and he's very close to our parents and to the family. I came at a time when my parents' marriage was collapsing, Mm. so my family was very dysfunctional, and I kind of hated that my entire life. Uh, But then when it was time for me to move to the States... Guess who didn't feel homesick? This is great. Like I'm used to this. Yeah. <laughs> so what does home mean to you then? Uh, well, the definition of home for me has changed uh, a lot throughout time. Um, it definitely started with the place I was born. I have seen that as my home for the longest time, and um, it it really wasn't my home. I was a different person, and then I. Extended okay. my, the definition of my home to my friends. Okay. And then 
in high school, I thought I had, you know, what I call my family. Mm. But then everything kind of changed when I moved to the U.S. Because mm. when I moved to the U.S., and especially when I came out, I lost a lot of people. Yeah. And this family of mine was no longer there. Okay. And then the definition of home extended to, well, I'm Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And then the trauma of being rejected by your society and yeah. driven out of your country because of your identity was then, I was like, even that is not my home. Right, um, right. So because, and just doing just a little research, you know, Egypt hasn't been the most welcoming of <laughs> LGBT rights. I think um, looking at polls with most people, I don't agree with homosexuality. And yeah. it's kind of seen, well, there's laws that's kind of around uh, immoral behavior, debauchery, and I guess homosexuality mm-hmm. kind of fits in that culture. Exactly. Um, so actually, it's not illegal per se. Like It's not in the Constitution it's illegal to be gay. Right. It's very vaguely... It's colonial era laws, so it's very vaguely written. It's a social crime. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they also, like, the Egyptian government wants to keep it vaguely written because that gives them a lot of space yeah. to do what they want and get away with it. Mm-hmm. When nothing is set in stone, right? Yeah. So they can crack down on any party... They can even use yeah. it to, for like to demonize political groups. Like yeah. they can crack down on anyone and say, "Well, they're gay," you know, and it's just like a political agenda. They're not gay or anything. So um, wow. Let's go back to Egypt. Uh, you said you have a brother, yes. older or younger? Uh, six years older. Okay, so you're the baby. Yes, I'm the youngest person in the entire family. So. <laughs> now, in Salvadorian culture, I know that the baby, duh, okay, that baby too, <laughs> yes. uh, gets pampered, loved yeah. on. How, did, how does it happen in Egyptian culture? It's quite the same way, <laughs> although uh, in my family, um, I am the youngest, but uh, we all like there's uh, my cousin is the only female, mm-hmm. so she definitely got all the attention growing wow. up. She's she's an Egyptian beauty. <laughs> she's the only female in the family, not yeah. the only queen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So she got all of attention, but yeah, I yeah I was very spoiled by my mom growing up. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have that relationship? I mean, yes, uh, I maintain my relationship with my mother, um, although. I did come out to her. Um, it's still something that we ignore. We don't yeah. directly address. It's been there. Yeah, it's like <laughs> often in the room, you know. Like, but she, and when did you come out? So, what kind of age? Or? I came out. Well, I came out to myself in right. 2013. So oh, after. after yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. I know. And then I came out to my mom in 2016. When did the feeling start? Because I want to juxtapose, like again the social culture when it comes mm-hmm. to homosexuality and LGBT culture mm-hmm. in Egypt. How did, when did you start like feeling the similarities and what's going on with you? Like when did those yeah. things happen? So, um, this is a difficult question because I have no, like I have known my entire life that I was different than anyone else. Yeah. I was definitely the most feminine yeah. person. I, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only woman here. Uh, what? <laughs> um, but and I got a lot of shit for it yeah. uh, growing up, and I never understood why. And when I hit puberty, I was definitely in love with one of my friends. I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Egypt, one, I think, of the most vicious things there is, is the erasure of even the space, the LGBTQ space or discussion. So right. I've never, uh, the first time I encountered something about homosexuality was when I was almost 17 years old and I Googled it. Wow. And I found that like homosexual Wikipedia page, I remember it very vividly. And I just like Gay. homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, damn, damn, not and it literally said like it was talking about homosexuality in the United States and in my head that kind of solidified my desire to leave because I was like oh they're there Um, they're in that country I can even go there and like (laughs) join them you know I didn't know anything about it these terrible white yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so this you just answered a question that I had for you like you didn't have a label for it or or any representation for yourself or even the structure of an identity like you you don't get to exactly you I knew that like I just existed outside of the prevailing framework and there was no identity for me to choose from I can relate to that as an extent as a child can you but can you like do you you understand what I'm saying there 
You said you're, I was like, okay, tell your story. <laughs> no, because I can relate to that because I remember like, you know, fifth to maybe, no, okay, <laughs> girl, fifth to sixth grade <laughs> uh, was when I like had my glitter pencils. I was like wanting to hang out with more girls and yes. boys. Um, and of course, I didn't know what gay was. I didn't mm-hmm. like, I'm, I knew what gay was, but I didn't think I was gay. I just yeah. was one of the girls. Um, but it wasn't until sixth grade where I had my first crush. So, when did you get your first crush? Because that's where, like, I realized gayness was. Yeah. But. Uh, it's tricky because um, the, the, the more back I look into my, my relationships with my male friends, the more I discover. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, I think at that time, because you're unconscious or unaware of who you're becoming, you kind of like, oh, I just love my friends. Like, yeah. I'm so intimate with all my male friends. Like, it's fine. <laughs> We're all, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you're growing, when you grow older and you realize this is who you are, you're just like, oh my God, I was in love with yeah. this guy. Like, I was just like in love with him. And I've never seen it as any form of romantic relationship. It's just like a very strong connection. But I think that one that will stand out the most was like my relationship with a guy in high school. Okay. And we just literally spent so much time together and um yeah like even i remember i <laughs> he wanted me to like go on a date with his female friend and i was just like sure but you're coming with me right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah we I'm not doing this together. <laughs> there's nothing in the world we can't how many days does it take to go on a date with a girl <laughs> so i want to know we talked about identities and Obviously, we know we have multiple identities, but, you know, having them coexist within us is a struggle. So I'm wondering for you, and you talked about it, but, like, what does it truly mean to be LGBT and Egyptian (laughs) and immigrant for you? Like, how do you manage those So this is the first year, actually, that I'm starting to stitch together all these pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know where did this idea come from in my head. Well, I I can have a... I, I can... I have an estimate where did it come from, but right around the time when I, two years after I moved here, it was just, I had to confront myself as like, you know, you're gay. I had the resources, I was in college, I had the resources to educate me on what does it mean to be a gay man um, and all of that, and then I had to confront myself, but then in my head, I think the... um, it resulted in a conflict where I had to choose between being Egyptian and being gay. So both of them yeah. did not, could not coexist mm-hmm. in my head. And I remember very vividly that I said, I have never felt safe or welcomed in Egypt. So of course I'm choosing gay. Yeah. Because that's, as far as I remember, this is my relationship with myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So I chose being gay. I stopped speaking Arabic. I wanted to dissociate myself as much as I can from Egypt. I never told people I'm Egyptian. Mm-hmm. I worked so hard on my accent to get rid of it. So people, yeah. when they meet me, they didn't ask me where I'm from. And the people, when it came up, when, of course I could, couldn't get rid of my accent. It's like, <laughs> when the people like, who are like, it would ask me, I'll just say a different country. And yeah. like, I'll pretend to be like, well, I'm like, I have French. I'm like, you know. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And I put like a lot of effort into not integrating them together, but actually such suppressing one of them and never went back to Egypt I you know I just kind of like hated the entire experience that's um, I mean that's definitely common with a lot of I feel like this gay experience especially in a minority community period. because mm-hmm. you're I mean for black for Latino I think you know after I came out in 2011 it was just kind of like well, black isn't really supporting yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to be gay, like really gay for me. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. And I think for me, because I came from New York, because I was born in New York, and then I went to North Carolina, which is all white. Boo. Um, <laughs> it's not. No, I went to Mount Air, North Carolina. And I'm from East Durham, yeah, City. It's black, city. okay. But where I moved to, Mount Air, North Carolina, was all white. And yeah. that was the first time. I went from living in New York, where I was in a, in a neighborhood that was 60% Latino. Mm-hmm. Again, not <laughs> homocentric, <laughs> but very Latino. Yeah. Uh, to moving to the South, and I remember like people asking me, "Where are you from? Where are you?" Mm-hmm. And I remember clearly being like, "I gotta start hiding these things." Mm-hmm. And you start resenting your culture, but yeah, that is that's, yeah. But that's definitely just more indicative of the white South because if you're not white or black, they're like so. But it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's isolated though, just to the South, because clearly you didn't move to the South, but you kept getting the questions, "Where are you from?" Where Actually, you I lived not in the South. I lived in the Midwest, so I went to school right. in Oklahoma. Oh, that's great. That's how, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's also that was also for me a little bit toxic because like I don't want to talk very negatively about people in Oklahoma, but yeah. I was there at a time where I was trying to dissociate from my culture and I wanted yeah. to be around white people because yeah. that's what I thought. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't even try to make Arab. Latino or black friends. I was only there because I'm just like, I'm trying to leave all this in one part of my life and I'm just focusing on this, just being a white gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's common though? It's like immigrants, yeah. like you go to America because you're like, all right, Orlando. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do. You I assimilate that. to white people. Yes. All, I assimilate. All, yeah. In the beginning, we all Yeah. To and people. a lot of, I mean, I don't want to like, in my experience, a lot of Arabs slash North Africans slash Middle Eastern people uh, from the specific countries when they move here, they assimilate into white areas yes. because they want to climb the social ladder. Yeah. They want to integrate as fast as they can. They yeah. want to become doctors and engineers and make that money and have that life. So that should become the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell exactly. your story. Yeah. <laughs> Go Turks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Over the course of what DC has taught me is that white gays are not your friends. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. Um, yeah. They're not allies yet. Uh, they can be. They're, they're, that doesn't mean yeah. that all white gays are there. But, you know, I don't but feel supported. To be white. And so I have a question for you. If you're putting things together, do you think if there was an... Well, have you felt represented as an Egyptian gay in any form of media in American culture? Uh, not at all. Not at all. No. So um, do you think if you find Yu-Gi-Oh. me... <laughs> <laughs> she was a queen. She was Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, you, he was gay. The world, they, I have definitive <laughs> proof that Yugi was a homosexual. Okay, yeah. gay anime porn does not count. <laughs> <laughs> There's movies, they are in love. He's a, he's a homosexual. I don't care what anyone says. But do you think if you had more representation, you could kind of link those things together? Yeah, I think... Um, so when I moved to D.C., I also had the expectations that, you know, this is what gay liberation is. Like, yeah. This is the... The happiest version of me will be here. I came here and it's not because I found myself, you know, in that place that I honestly relied on a lot of pe- people of co- queer people of color to kind of like slap me on the face and wake me up from that, that and rescue me from like I was like whitewashed and I needed someone to rescue me from it. And once you notice it in DC, what I have felt mainly in many of the circles is just horizontal oppression. Yes, you yes, know? I and, agree with you fully. And from my experience, the Gay DC circles are mainly white, mainly cis, mm-hmm. uh, and gay. Mm-hmm. So if you're having any experience outside of that, you're not. You're just on the sides. Yeah. You know the whole thing is tailored or catering towards this population. There's nothing wrong being any of these things. It's just like you go to any of the parties, any of the events, and you're just like, I'm the other. Yeah. Right. You know. Did you ever go to Cobalt's? Um, I think they called it Hobby B Night. No. <laughs> yes, yes. Did you ever? You never I have never been there, but uh, uh, I have shut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now it's gone. Let's tell the DC gays why they got shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, I used to go, I used to frequent a Latin night there. Mm-hmm. And I used to, the more, <laughs> you went once. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but when I, the more, I, again, I've noticed that like, over the course of the year, um, I, I feel like the more I've harnessed my and I've accepted my Salvadorian American mm-hmm. status and I've uh, kind of tried to find like you mm-hmm. trying to connect what it means to be Central American Salvadorian and LGBT mm-hmm. in this country I, my self-worth I feel like has gone up yeah. and so I noticed the more I would go to these places I would like I felt more part mm-hmm. of it until town closed down mm-hmm. and then the white gays from town started migrating over to uh, Cobalt oh, Saturday night yeah and then it stopped. Not even stopped. I felt like, again, an accessory to my own night. Exactly. Because there was more, there was less Latino music, and now there was more Ariana Grande. And I love Ariana Grande, but there's a time and place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, it's not that. Yeah. Um, so, that being said, I have a really good question. Let me just go back to That's something. Fair. Do you, like, how do you feel? I'm not going to say I'm just not going to point it, but how do you feel American culture has helped your acceptance, your mm-hmm. social identity, your se- your sexual identity, and how's it how's it hurt it or just kept it from really <laughs> liberating itself? Uh, I think it just gave me the opportunity to find more people like myself, and I think that's what I lacked my entire life. Yeah. So in DC, I've recently met people, and for the very first time, I've met someone who is from Egypt, who is gay, and oh, who nice. speaks Arabic. Mm-hmm. And even having the conversation, like it was such an intense moment for me to even have that conversation in Arabic. 
and you know this person had a way different experience than me in Egypt but this person came out as gay in Egypt had a gay circle underground circle so he was exposed to an Egyptian version of gay that I wasn't so when he moved here he didn't struggle as much as I did with um, nationality and sexuality mm-hmm. because he have already seen a version of that back home mm-hmm. uh, and now the, the circle is expanding where I keep finding people from the region who are gay, trans, mm-hmm. um, gender fluid, bisexual, all over the oh, spectrum, yeah. you know, and they're all coming together. And so I think it's, for me, United States offered the place for that to happen. Yeah. Because I don't think it could have happened anywhere else. Maybe like in Europe. Or yeah. Europe but my experience in the Western world has exclusively been the U.S. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I like that you mentioned language because people don't realize how much power is wrapped up in language. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so within Arabic, are there terms for? Yes. So actually, it's funny is it because positive is it yeah. negative? Is it's it? very negative. <laughs> Have you started uh, reclaiming the word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, when I moved here, I think in college, someone called me like the F word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then I remember back then. <laughs> this is rated our podcast, but you can say whatever you want. <laughs> you say what you want. We got that E in the explicit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone called me the F word, and then I remember just like it really didn't bother me at all. I just like okay, like it's fine. Like I, I guess. swear that does not affect minorities. I feel like yeah. it's a white because I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, period. Yeah, because like also I've never he- heard it growing up, and it was a, a foreign language to me. When I moved, right. it was a foreign language. I was like, I don't care what that means. Mm-hmm. But when someone calls it to me in Arabic, it just like hurts way yeah. deeper because it's it carries coming from so your culture. Much. Yes, yeah, it's coming. It's coming and it's Arabic is a very descriptive language too. Yeah. So there's like words that will just go through you. Yeah, and. Um, how, yeah, having that um, the, con- the the conversation in Arabic has definitely changed, and we started like claiming the words and changing them. And you know, uh, Arabic is also an, a, a gendered language, so everything is gendered. Like right, objects like tables, chairs. Right, know. like again, most I think all most languages gendered except for what English. Every, I, I think, think some yeah, yeah. Asian, yeah. Asian. I think everything, especially in Latin culture, is just so gendered. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's why I struggled so hard uh, with gen- except not accepting anything between gay, lesbian, and trans. What I struggled to accept was gender queerness. Yes, growing up because mm-hmm. I because I just didn't understand it. I would have yeah. to really give up. <laughs> I would have to really give up what I thought and what I was raised to believe. Exactly. And I just I was and I remember having like fights with him. Over that, it was like constant, like genderqueer is bullshit. Like, no, no. But then, I guess, like I said, I lost a lot of insecurity with my femininity because I used to, like, I used to feel like I had to portray a certain masculinity because as yeah. a man, you gotta mm-hmm. be strong. You can't be weak. Yeah. And I think I correlated. It's hard because you have no masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay, dude. You can't hurt me with those words. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> How about you ask a question instead of attacking me? <laughs> 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 tried it though. <laughs> I'm going to a little story. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, now you made me lose my point. But, uh, see, this, this you lost the skill of, like, not the skill, but, like, the. Um, way to see the world outside of luggage and the yeah, yeah. Less you, rigidity yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but on to you now again <laughs> but uh, how do you feel seen in American gay culture how do you feel seen because I feel like I've seen I feel my I see myself seen mm-hmm. uh, not always positive through their, their eyes yeah. but how do you feel seen I feel that um, so most important to me is this I'm becoming to see myself clearer so the introspection for me means a lot and this living here and having access to to intersect with people of different backgrounds and ethnicities and experiences have kind of enriched my own experience allowing me to see myself better mm-hmm. I rely less on how people see me to be honest mm-hmm. but I think people struggle with categorizing me mm-hmm. and I have, oh, I will have to be okay with them just putting me in that mm-hmm. He is doing his own thing. Yeah. You know, like, we don't really understand it. Because, like, even within, like, I don't identify... Like, I I am Egyptian. This mm-hmm. is my culture and tradition. But I'm not attached to my culture. Right. And I try... Like, it's not that I don't carry it with me. It's there. And you can get rid of it. And I'm fine with being there. Yeah. But it's not the center mass of my experience. Right. I'm not just gay. I'm not just black. I'm exactly. Not just male. Yeah. yeah. But All I right. think people, like, just, you know, oh, he's Egyptian. But... 
he's also gay and he's yeah. genderqueer and he's vegan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but he's cheese part. sometimes. Like people just struggle with like, you know, um, and it bothered me for the longest time because I felt like just like you don't really understand me, but then now I'm just like it's fine. Yeah. Like so what? Mm. You know, I want to stay. Right. I think the first time I felt seen was Again, sexually. Yeah. And it was through fetishization. Yeah. Through their eyes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Has, oh, has that occurred for you? Sorry, I just remember you said something about cobalt and I I, I wanted to say that I forgot. So like the have Cobalt. First of all, I have like two stitches here under my eyebrow, so like because I fell at cobalt and they blame me for falling. Literally. Second thing, so we have the people, like we call them like homeless queens. Uh, it means like like the white gays were attracted to Middle Easterns and I hate that the most I hate that so much because um, since I day can't one tell, you never since day one okay. because I can't tell you how many times again people like us you're already struggling with all right. this identities inside of you and someone just comes along and puts so much value on one of them mm-hmm. and then the other identities inside of you is just like oh, yeah. you know it's like a rage yeah. um, and then I can't tell you how many times people walk up to me and like hey my name is insert white name what's your name and Man. the moment I <laughs> just kidding <laughs> I'm Justin what's your name and the moment before I even finish my name there's like oh where are you from and I'm just like <sighs> and then I can already That's tell it's happening yeah. and I say like I'm from Egypt and it's like oh we must go on a date and I'm just like, that's it, really? Because if Ew. you know anything about me, I don't represent my culture at all. Yeah. Like, I spent years, honey, like, trying to meet <laughs> them. <laughs> I'm whitewashed, so... <laughs> so someone is more authentic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's there, and I hate it, and I spend a lot of time. So at Cobalt, it's the same thing where, like, all the white gays will go, and it becomes, like, your, like... It's a gay zoo, right? They come here to watch you and to experience you. Experience you like, again, you're not a human being. You're not a human being. You're like a tour on like those gay tours. I like, I, I joked about it for the longest time because like my pickup one was just like, hey, <laughs> do you want to go to Egypt? And he was like, oh, we don't have like flight things. I was like, no, do you want to go to Egypt like tonight? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then it's funny because you're just like. It's funny. You, like I said, how many. Let's go back to Egypt again because I guess I'm trying to, I, you're so perfect. Oh, do you want to go to Egypt? Right <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where are you from? Yeah. Um, no, but you seem very personable, mm-hmm. and you seem. But you said you were so isolated mm-hmm. from like people, friends, not your family. And, yeah, yeah. that were not your family. So, do you think having that close, like? Like a full house of family everywhere. Do you think that's where your personality still came from? It still shines through, because I know that, like I said, when people don't have a sense of family, or I've seen, I, I, I feel like what the most insecure white gays, what their deep-rooted insecurity is, is that they never truly felt love from their parents. <laughs> I, think that, I, I, I just yeah. don't think this is rooted in any science here. No. <laughs> I, I got honey. Yeah. In my experience, I you know I get deep with all my other people I talk to, and yeah. I I correlated something, and it's been they don't talk to their dads, and they yeah. don't talk to their parents every day, and they, they again it, there's there's a lack of compassion, and again white culture is very money 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 less than oh my God, level. Yes. So that's, yes. that's a disconnect between love and emotion because you you don't accept your child for what they just are. Yeah, and um, I think on top of sorry to interrupt you, but no, on top of that, what you mentioned about money, that's something I noticed. Uh, very strongly here is that even parents who accept their children are not willing to put in the effort to kind of like reframe the way that they see the world yeah. and incorporate integrate their children into you know Absolutely. or change that word for them they they will more likely be like here's money yeah. here's tickets here's like credit yeah. cards here's yeah. trips and on the surface level I think that's great but deeper I'm just like this is still it hollow stops. and it stops. stops yeah and you so, can fix everything I think it's a very <laughs> I don't want to be like a, this, like, insurgent from the Middle East. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very American consumerist way of dealing with life. Yeah. It's just like everything is to be consumed, everything is to be bought mm-hmm. and traded. And then if you're, even if you're sad, go buy something. I'm just like, how's that? And I think, anything. That's I think where it comes from. Yeah. I think a part of Egyptian culture has taught you, and I think that's something to take from Egyptian culture is that yeah. 
you did, you weren't you weren't showing love mm-hmm. through transactions, and I wasn't no. showing through love through because honey, she was poor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think that is so powerful. And yeah. I think I think if you ever um, now I'm here giving advice like RuPaul. Yeah. But I feel like that's something that I've had to harness. Is just mm-hmm. like um, allowing myself to really see that my parents. That small thing, yes, it's not perfect right now. Yeah, it might be a little dysfunctional, and like I think you said, my parents still struggle because it's, the education is mm-hmm. not there for Latin community, yeah. Central American mm-hmm. community. Um, but I think something I've noticed is just they there's a love there, and yeah. I see it, and it's not hollow. It's not like you said. There's I don't feel dirty after that love. No, and I think that's something to take away. Is, yeah, uh, I think when you come from a culture that's not American, you get to that privilege exactly to not have to deal with. Hey baby, I'm not gonna be here this weekend, but here's this. Yeah, exactly. I could. I never had to go through that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that also like Latinx culture is similar to Middle Eastern culture. It's very like community oriented. Yes. Yeah. So even I didn't grow up with as much acceptance or love that I wish I have had but in the idea of community is so integrated in my mind that yeah. like you don't think of yours. I think that's something that I, I kind of like weirds me out here that people always. Puts, they put themselves like first and then everyone else second mm-hmm. and that for me is something I mean there is somewhere in the middle that you want to be at but like I've always thought about like me and my family what, yeah, what right. your definition of your family is right I always say if, if, girl, if I came across money the people that I care about are protected yeah <laughs> that's, that's a community feel yeah yeah Shout out to my only children. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about your genderqueer identity mm-hmm. because I definitely was inspired to kind of continue my makeup journey just because, I don't know, I just saw you and I was like, yeah, you're doing this. <laughs> so I, know I personally feel seen two places. America's Top Model and RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. a model yeah. and yeah. a drag queen. <laughs> um... Because this is where I see people like me. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that, how playing with, you know, femininity, clothes, makeup, uh, helped you explore that identity here. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a skill that I have developed just from being rejected. So when you are born in a country, I definitely was born in Egypt and I grew up, uh, I'll get to your question, but just there's... No worries. Is it working up to it? <laughs> I warned you on the tangents. Uh, but uh, no, seriously, um... I've never expected myself to immigrate. Like immigration for me happened on the course of seven days, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Su- it was seven sudden. Days. Yeah, it was sudden. Wow. It was not planned. You gotta tell us. Yeah, <laughs> but like growing up this culture, you're always being excluded, mm-hmm. and so I kind of got used to being outside of the structures already in place, mm-hmm. and I got comfortable being outside these structures. So play forward many years when I came out and I'm starting to understand myself gender for me was one of the structures where it was not hard for me to kind of step outside of it because I'm just like I'm used to stepping outside of it gender is cancel yeah gender is cancel (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I even like I also like so let alone me trying to understand coming to the states coming out and then trying to understand what it means to be gay I had no idea what it means to be trans although there's a a very large trans population in Egypt I Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about them I didn't know what does it mean to be trans and understanding that being gender fluid is part of a transgender experience and all of that kind of had to come like gradually from right. me and it started with very small things and it was the very first like you know mascara that I had to wear right. like oh my god <laughs> when I moved to DC I was just like can I walk in the street like that and like ask my friends like nobody can see it and I'm like this is, this is DC nobody cares oh, yeah. and then yeah and transition into like heavier set of mascara and then like maybe a little bit of eyeliner and then months later I found myself like, oh my god, it's completely like a brush set, eyeshadow, and you know, it didn't change. I didn't feel that it, I think it's just something that came naturally to me. It just um, didn't feel that, it, the conflict came with the label, where right. I didn't know what, how to label this experience. Mm. So, I thought about that yesterday, I was like, it's so weird, because the more I feel like I play with makeup, and we, I really feel like that identity gets a little blurred there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know. But you have to, like, let it be blurry, and I think you have to be okay with things being blurry. And yeah. I think, like, part the reason, one, of the, one of the ways I always tell people that I um, 
extract my happiness from is the idea that you can sit in your own shit for days yeah. and instead of thinking how am I going to fix this or why is this happening be like you know this is fine I'm yeah. okay I can happy, be happy in this shit not that makeup is shit but just yeah, like right. I mean by shit is just like you just don't understand what's happening around you become the ocean not the yes world. exactly yeah, yes that, that, that um <laughs> If you if you um, if you are if you don't become the ocean, you'll be seasick every day. Yeah. and that's something that. Oh yeah, I that. yeah. yeah I, it's something that has stuck with me my entire life. Um, it's just you have to get used to mm-hmm. your. You have to adapt to the surrounding. So how does uh, Mama Amr? Yeah, Mama Abgundikli. Yeah, how does she sit in this room right now? Um, what do you mean? Because uh, how is she represented within you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I. I know the one the first time I put makeup on, I was like, that is Francisco Massoch. Yeah, that's, yeah. And so I was that's like, a beautiful name. Yeah, uh, you hear that, mama? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she, uh, did you, so how did that, how does she, do you harness her at all when you go into that place? Um, yes, I think I don't harness my mother going through the aesthetics place mm-hmm. because I think um, this is hard for me to like, bring up because my mom my entire life has um, not been perceived as a beautiful woman mm-hmm. and she didn't want to be perceived as such she was a nerd yeah. she was someone who stuck with the books big glasses yeah. you know she didn't care too much about like how right. she looks she just like you know she's the one who taught me how to read and kind of instilled me like that passion to sit in one place for hours and be okay with it and like you know she studied so many things and never been focused in her life she wanted to know everything um, so I kind of like she had like only like one lipstick and one pair of heels yeah. so me when I was growing up I was just like damn it I'm <laughs> in here mom <laughs> I have a show in 10 minutes <laughs> and they're uncomfortable yeah. they want comfort. <laughs> the cameraman is waiting on me to get ready and like, there's only one pair of heels <laughs> so I don't really channel her makeup wise but I do channel her um Spirit. No, I do channel her intellect. I've always been inspired by my mom's ability that she's extremely smart mm-hmm. and she has been perceived as a threat because of that her entire life. Yes. Well, Amr, we have your mother. She's doing your makeup. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that, okay, so then finally, at this point, just to sum it up, what grounds Amr and Amr? right now in this moment what is currently grounding you to who you are and how you're growing um the ability for me to introspect and to allow myself i had this year i promised myself that whatever comes out you know i'm going to be okay with it Mm. and i will no longer stop myself um or edit myself from doing things because I'm used to thinking, well, I can do this, yeah. or I can put that on, or I can express that, and um, just giving, a, creating a space for me to grow in. And actually, completely opposite to what I said earlier about being a community, uh, coming also from a very community-oriented society, you don't learn to, you think it's, at least in my experience, you think it's selfish to do things for yourself. Mm-hmm. And this year I had to break that where I had to say, you know, I'm going to do this for myself. And it's no investing in yourself. Yes, investing in yourself. So mm-hmm. right now, um, a lot of things are changing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm very happy with who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that I was able um, to stitch all these like minority identities together mm-hmm. instead of like okay. suppressing, removing one of them and um, I guess what's going on in me right now is just I can channel and create what it means to be Egyptian, queer, and gay. And what do you think Little Armor, if he was sitting right there? Yes. How, how do you think he would be looking at you? Leave a little picture. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get that? Did <laughs> <laughs> you talk to my mom? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think a younger self would be very, very proud of what I've created and what I have been able to accomplish. I think where I'm at right now, and I don't want to sound like too conceited, but like where I'm at right now, I You're think... Leo. Yeah. Am I on the spotlight? Okay. Uh, I think I have never ever in my wildest dreams thought that I would be able to cross the ocean mm-hmm. and to come here and yeah. to kind of create the space for myself and to no longer be hidden 
and I want to be seen as part of being a Leo. I love to yeah. be visible, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think, yeah, I think my yeah, I would be my younger self would be astounded and proud of me right now. So I, talk to him. Uh, what would what, what advice would you give that little boy <laughs> um, right now? Just uh, go this, back to that. Yeah. Place. Go back to that place. Um, to never just to always have the connection with yourself, and it's okay that if the people around you don't understand it, if the people around you don't have that self-connection mm-hmm. like you do and uh, it's okay that it doesn't make sense and you have no labels for it in your language mm-hmm. so. oh my gosh I just think we take for granted so much in American I just like his gaze and other things because you know for some of us I'm like oh my god moving to where I am now this is such a big experience yeah. <laughs> yes. space. Yeah. and you literally yeah cross the oceans and yeah. we don't but you know what I mean like when you when I look back at it from now looking back into my younger self it feels like it's a a huge accomplishment and I mean in a way it is but like when I, you were younger you're more reckless you're not thinking about the big picture you're thinking about small problems mm-hmm. like my problem was just like to get the flight ticket and once I got the flight ticket it's like okay what's next like oh English yeah. you know I'm like, gonna speak to these people so it's like very small battles along the way but then years later you realize like oh my god this is all you know I have done that yeah so, so what would you tell those institutions of oppression that you've encountered <laughs> about who you are and what you stand for? Um, I don't know what to tell them. I kind of want to dismantle them. So I have nothing to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you're not even going to give them energy. <laughs> I'm going to dismantle Turn down them the first. patriarchy. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I think... Um, we live in such an institutional... I mean, globally, not just in Egypt and the East. We live in such an institutionalized societies that even our identities are institutionalized and you're born into a life where you're given templates of what you can be. And if there's no template for you, then it sucks. Yeah. And I think um, the most rebellious thing you can do is to reject them. And even like in everyday life, like you don't have to be a socialist like freedom fighter (laughs) you know to like I mean yes you kind of do but like (laughs) to challenge institutions with every I mean you putting makeup and you know and putting you know (laughs) 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 and you know this is in itself a challenge to these institutions because these institutions was not were not made to adapt or cater towards people like us Mm -hmm. um so yes, I would challenge him every day. So, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna have a fun part of the interview. Okay. Yes. Just random questions, just so our viewers get to know you better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for all the single men out there. Yeah. <laughs> Is she single? <laughs> What's her tax bracket? Honey. Because we're in DC. Cut the Let's check. Yeah. Cut the check. Above this. <laughs> My younger self was just like, "Don't ask me. I'm so annoyed." I'm just like, "Oh, you like Egyptians? What's your tax bracket?" Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. You learn capitalism from white people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Favorite drag queen. Uh, Sasha Valor, and I'm Ooh. single. Is FYI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's single, Sasha. A cancer Leo. I dated that. Oh my god. Okay. What do you like about her? I love how She's eccentric bald. she is. She's bald. I love the kind of like abstract kind of. Um, Actually, I have rose petals on this wig. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we're signing off. Yeah. <laughs> I do love uh, people, art, any kind of creation that's eccentric. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always gravitate towards things that you know stand out of the norm. Do you have a drag name? Uh, Celestia Clusters. Celestia, Celestia Clusters. Yeah, like a Steven Universe fantasy. This is, yeah. this is literally new to Paris. Yes. Rafika Onika. Yeah. I finally came up because I'm such a Leo that I can't think about anything besides my name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, the entire universe. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Favorite book and why? Oh, that's really hard. Uh, I have a lot of favorite books. One of your most favorite books. Uh, one of my most favorite books is called The Stranger by mm-hmm. Albert Camus. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a philosophy book. It's um, it's based really on existentialism and that everything doesn't matter. And I just love that. So. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have any fun questions. Oh, I have more I questions. Like, I, need, I, need, I need to have these hard-hitting questions. So you be the fun interviewer. I'm the serious one. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> okay. So, favorite artist, music artist right now? Um, right now, Charlie XCX. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Flash Bros? Yeah, that's a bop. 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 That's a committed to Lady Gaga my entire life. So she's Thank my, you. Yes. Oh, you had a picture, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, Lady Gaga's been one of my very first, like, I remember in Egypt, like, in high school, people were, like, saying, like, oh my god, she's bisexual. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I was like, what is that? But then, you know, that's what, yeah. What was your favorite performance by her? Uh, oh my god, all of them? Uh, <laughs> but I would say that Art Pop is the most undermined album that she Every thinks. single gay yes. thinks that. Art Pop was just for the gays, I don't care what it was. Yeah. I, I love it because it's just like, I, I do think there's fundamentally gay sounds, and yeah. she knows how to create them really well. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think it's just like most theatrical and. I love the drama and the yeah, opera the dra- yeah. and all the whole. And being extra and excessive and yeah. pointless. Well, we talked about that yeah. yesterday. One of my two influences for just queerness would be Nikki and. Gaga just because it came out yeah. and it was like I can be the craziest person I and they were not scared to do that right yeah. I was like yes I can do this this is amazing yeah. do you plan to enter into marriage civil union uh no I I oh that's a good question <laughs> I do not respect the institution of marriage gay or straight mm-hmm. so I do not think I ever will Ooh, tell us about the religion. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to ask Did that earlier. Did I offend some people? Yeah. <laughs> Am, I? Am I inflammatory? <laughs> so, it's this you were conservative, so was it more religious, in a religious household? Yes. I mean, and the entire country is very conservative. Like, marriage is the, I mean, on paper is the only way for you either to have sex or have a family mm-hmm. or, and it's, you know, man and woman. It's interesting you say this because this is why we have a future guest coming up. Um, so yeah. Because I have a theory. <laughs> I have a lot of theories. I, because yeah. I think also I was an outsider growing up in my own mm-hmm. house. I related to a lot of what you were saying. And I think when you're an outsider, you're given the point to really see the world as a TV. And you see the storylines. And you mm-hmm. see you put things together. And I think that something I've noticed when people come from more oppressive societies for what yeah. they what they identify with. She's a woman, so she, mm-hmm. she's from Russia. So I feel like, um, she again, she was oppressed. Mm-hmm. Gay in Egypt you feel oppressed mm-hmm. so when you see marriage mm-hmm. that look that really it doesn't even I feel like it's not even feeling like a ball and chain but it really comes across as like no mm-hmm. no because it, does it is it because it's a structure and it's a governmental structure or where does yes. it, why do you push that away? I think maybe uh, my parents marriage was not the reason but it was the first experience where it brought my attention Okay. Where it's at some perfect institutions that, as you think, are not so perfect, and they're not perfect at all, yeah. and they don't work most of the times more than they actually do work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it came my my struggle with marriage came later on in life, where I I am obsessed with structures in general, and I <laughs> I hate saying that like, coming from the Middle East, but like, <laughs> I uh, I like to assume in life a more destructive role than a constructive role and I don't mean like destruction as in like yeah. let's burn it down yeah, yeah. I'm more like like a gradual destruction of dismantling because in my head if you create something and if I cannot destroy it and other people can destroy it then maybe it's meant to be there mm-hmm. but if you build something and you have all these like exaggerated mm-hmm. expectations and I can dismantle it in like one day then maybe it's not meant to be there mm-hmm. uh, marriage is one of those things that I just really think they're deeply misogynistic and they're rooted in oppression and okay. possession of women and whether I mean I'm not gonna think that people participating in marriage are complicit but I mean even if you look at any aspect of marriage like mm-hmm. it's all it's a heteronormative practice that's based on selling women yeah. as a commodity right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not one in favor of adapting it to modern times I'm just more in favor of like why can't we just get rid of the whole structure and plan something or uh, construct something that is more reasonable and it's less misogynistic and more inclusive does that have to do with uh, like monogamy as well or um, not necessarily because I mean like most men cheat on their wives yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
No, I think also monogamy is a big question also there in marriage because uh, monogamy comes only from a religious argument. Mm -hmm. And I understand that if you're living in the middle of the desert and like, I don't know, it's here and like there were no women around here right. and then like yeah. you had to keep track of your like children and then like yeah. you want to be monogamous. But I mean also historically people have not been very monogamous yeah. in a lot of cultures. Right. Like ancient yeah. cultures, like monogamy is not something that have existed right you know and it's not even like I hate when people bring up like the natural arguments because I mean like most animals like all animals are monogamous yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that's true so yeah. then what about children are you gonna oh my god no I don't like children like ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl I don't Sorry, I like went like, like, like extremely left like, just, like I tried to like I love that are you yeah. good with kids or no I, I think I'm fine I just would not prefer to interact with them <laughs> I know kids like literally all day right yeah, yeah so. which is I mean I'm so rude to you seriously this is, this is it takes talent okay uh, I think also being the youngest person in my family I'm used to being like yeah how are, baby, you? are you a baby I'm, I, I at first have said no babies no babies no I babies think you yeah. Because, I'm a baby, yeah. because I've always been pampered so I don't know what it's like to take care of something of someone else yeah yes. I have a dog mm-hmm. so that, that's the most I'm going to do however as I've gotten more comfortable and like I've learned to love my old like the little Raffi I think I've been able to express more love and compassion to kids. Yeah. But maybe I'm just tooting my own horn. <laughs> because yes. I went home yeah. recently um, this weekend and I saw, I mean, kids everywhere and a girl, I was just like tickling the little foot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was not doing nothing to that little kid. I don't know how, like, that's what it is. I yeah. don't know how to show affection to a child. Me too. Oh my God. So, I don't even. I'm sorry. They're humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just look at like <laughs> I have I've always said this and I will continue saying this. I mean it's a little bit of but like if you have seen one, you have seen them all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. Just like, so <laughs> I just see her because she's yeah, like, like no. I cannot. Um, I'm pregnant right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a fun conclusion to a great, 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 great interview. Oh my God, thank you. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank, thank you for you. having me. And I honestly think this what you're doing is great and having this podcast is a fun way of creating a queer space for people of color and different experiences. Uh, anyway, so but it is a very important space. So thank oh, you. You get the promo. You get the promo. Put that in the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> in the comments. That'll be our teaser. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for having me on your platform. I'll put that in the like, reviews. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! So how should we end this? We've never done this before, so we should have a tradition. I feel like we should have a tradition with all our guests to like kind of we're in with a selfie, obviously. But they can't see that. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We want to say thank you all for listening once again to Wait, Don't Do It with your girl, Nunu Paris. And, and Rafi. And our special guest, Amr. Amr Agunticlay. Yes. Time is a charm. Keep listening. Keep supporting because we're going to keep uh, highlighting important stories that are not seen in our society. And so, Amr, you're going to sign us off. Are you ready? Yes. My name is Amr, and you're listening to Wait, Don't Do It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, love it. Thank you so much.